Welcome back, Billiken fans. It's Zach Miller and Peter Hale. This is the Midtown Madness Podcast. Before we get going, thank you so much for listening. And if you're watching on YouTube, hit that subscribe button, hit that bell icon down below, get notified whenever a new episode comes out. It's season four, and once again, the Midtown Madness Podcast is brought to you by the greatest salsa in the world. I am not exaggerating. It's two men in a garden. Peter, as I've mentioned to you before, I consume a lot of internet content and the the companies that are sponsoring podcasts, YouTube videos are absolutely ridiculous. I do not understand. Nobody needs a wallet clip that also massages your butt. Nobody needs it. Nobody needs it. What you do need and what you are going to do is whenever you go to the grocery store, you're going to see two men in a garden salsa right there on the shelf. It's local. It tastes amazing. And they've got all the flavors to suit your individual salsa preferences. You can pick up, like I said, their many products at any local grocery store, or you go online if you have discerning salsa tastes and find just the right flavor for you at two men in a garden.com. Uh, follow them on social media at two men salsa on Instagram and Twitter. Pete, if anybody's listening at home, or if anybody's listening, because I have no idea if anybody listens, I don't know. Uh, if you're watching or listening at home, you can hear a little, you know, a little extra energy in my voice. Um, it's because we just finished an interview with uh, the brand new Billiken head volleyball coach, Andrea Beatty, continuing coaches month, as I just decided to dub it right in the last five seconds. Uh, and that interview's coming up, Pete. Right now. Billiken fans, we, and by we, I mean me, it's just been me. Uh, I've been hyping this guest spot since the hiring was announced. Uh, it's finally here, and I'm excited and very help, uh, very happy to welcome in our new head volleyball coach, Andrea Beatty, to the Midtown Madness podcast. Andrea. You know, I can't, you know what? I can't do that. I've never <laughs> called you Andrea in 15 years that I've known you. Uh, you don't have to. You don't have to yeah, call no. me, Andrea. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Beatty, talk to us about how you first started, you know, getting interest from Ann Cordes and Billiken Volleyball when you were back in high school. Because as people, I don't know if people realize this, but you played a year here. I played two seasons, actually. Two seasons, here. that's what it was. Yeah. So, no, I remember. I was too I drunk around that time. <laughs> no comment on that one. But, <laughs> <laughs> but no, so I committed to SLU when I was. 15, 16 years old. So when I talk to recruits, I always tell them I'm completely biased because I've been wanting to go to SLU since I was 15 years old. We won't say how long ago that was, but I'm sure Zach could do the, the quick math on that. Um, but no, I remember um, it wasn't just the program, but it was all the excitement from the community. I remember you know walking around campus and I do truly feel like SLU is such a gem of a campus that you don't truly understand until you're on campus. And then the athletic department, everyone was so excited about every sport and the whole community came together. So I remember sitting in the stands and we're playing Stanford, beating Stanford when they were number awesome. two. Uh, I was in the stands as a recruit and I saw the whole community come together and it was such a fun game to experience. I'd never seen that many people watch a volleyball game live and how exciting they're recruiting me. <laughs> so, you know, I think everything all together, it was the full package and it continues to be the full package. So I'm just thrilled that I get to be in this spot of leadership and back home as a Billiken. I just found that game film, by the way. 
the other day. Oh, from Stanford. Oh, yeah, I have it on. I have it on a DVD. I need to put oh. it on on YouTube. Actually, yeah. please do. I would love yes. to watch it again. Uh, I'll do. I'll work on that this week. Um, yeah, you. Unfortunately, you were you were recruited by Ann Cordes, who ended up uh, moving on to Louisville. Um, uh, you decided to transfer. Uh, talk about that decision and whether or not that experience has given you a little more perspective now as a coach and, and the booming transfer portal that we're seeing in the last couple of years. You know, the transfer portal is way different. We didn't have a portal back when I transferred. It was much more of a tedious process to transfer, um, which I appreciate that there's an opportunity for athletes now. Um, but it does become difficult because now people are hopping in there left and right. So it's a new, it's a new thing us coaches are trying to get a handover. But what I'll say is this is you can look at my past playing and I played for Ann Cordes at SLU, played for Kent Miller at SLU, played for Melissa Stokes at Missouri State. And what I can say is I'm really lucky because I got to play under three coaches and I learned something from all three of them. And it's allowed me to kind of merge, I guess you could say my style kind of picking the things that you like, but also managing some things a little differently. Uh, but I've learned so much from each coach. So not many people can go through college and say they've had three coaches and they've been all three very different from each other, but you truly learn from each person that you get an experience with. So um, in a lot of ways, it was a hard decision to leave because I love SLU and I still do. Uh, but at the time it was the right decision for me. Um, so that's why I can kind of understand the transfer portal in some ways, but I do think we got to stick it out sometimes as well, too. So it's a fine line. It's a dance, a rhythm. So your first stint in coaching, you go uh, you go to your arch rival, your high school arch rival, I guess I should say, at uh, at St. Francis Borgia, um, you being a Washington high school graduate. Uh, how, how did that transition go and, and what was your experience like there? Uh, so during that time, it's, it's interesting. This tells you how much I love volleyball and how much I love coaching. I was working for my dad. He has a company in North St. Louis. So I was living in Eureka, driving, you know, 45 minutes out to work, an hour, sometimes hour and a half out to Washington, Missouri to coach, and then another 45 minutes back to Eureka. So most people would say I'm crazy. Uh, but then again, I think all of us that are passionate about sports are just a tad crazy. Um, but you know, it was an opportunity. The AD called me. I knew him pretty well at the time and um, asked me if I'd take on that challenge. And I'm so glad I did because it was just that starter step into the world of being a head coach and um, being able to work with young women every day and challenge them and let them see the possibilities and sometimes push them to see what the actual possibilities are. So uh, it may seem like a small step, but I learned a lot. And I'm a lot more patient than I was then. You can ask Abby Lynn, who's on the roster now. It's the first thing she said. She said, wow, you're a lot more patient than I remember. Um, but what a great experience to be able to get into the community and and do what I love. What? How does that, I mean, like you go and all of a sudden you have to basically lead a group of high school kids. Like high school kids are brutal to deal. Like if you haven't, if you yeah. haven't had experience with high school kids, they're not easy to deal with. Uh, and that's me saying it, not Coach Beatty, everybody, please. Um, <laughs> but how, having no head coaching experience, how did you step into that and, and just feel, you know, comfortable in your own, you know, skin, I guess? You know, I had club coach for a while before I did it. I was assisting and I was a head coach of a small club team in Springfield. Uh, but my big thing about coaching is I really enjoy connecting with people. 
um, especially young people who are at a very exciting time in their life. So um, yes, there's a handful of challenges. That's probably why I wasn't as patient as I am now. Um, but I do think the fun part about high school is they're really, at least when I was doing it, there was no recruiting. You had your group and you had to get better as that group. It wasn't like you're bringing in people every freshman year and uh, got a new new squad. So uh, it, it had its challenges, but it really helped in realizing how to run a program, how to work with donors, how to work with a budget, a small budget, but a good budget. And, you know, at Borgia, we had so much support, so much tradition. So it was the perfect place to get my feet going. And with the support, I was able to really find the path that I needed to get into the college game. So tell me about that path to the college game. Um, I mean, like, how do you make that move? And, and why was UTEP the job? Yeah, so um, actually, I owe it to my father quite a bit because I was working for him. And the whole goal was for me to take over the company one day. And while I like to think I'm a great saleswoman, um, it wasn't my passion. I like to sell St. Louis University. I don't like to sell, you know things, I guess, <laughs> education and an athletic experience. Um, but no, he actually is the one that pulled me aside and said, this isn't your baby. Like your baby is volleyball and coaching. Like you need to go do it. So as soon as he said that, I mean, I applied for a lot of jobs. Uh, UTEP had a really interesting experience where they brought in a brand new head coach, first year head coach, who's been an assistant for many years and successful. And it was a brand new staff. So what was great about that first couple of years is I not only got to see what D1 volleyball coaching is like, I got to see the obstacles that first year head coaches have that are transitioning from that assistant to head coach position. So it was, it ended up being the perfect opportunity. And I love El Paso, Texas. I, I still think a part of my heart and soul is there, but I learned so much. And like I said, Ben gave me my first shot in college coaching and it's, it's going well. So I'm very thankful for that shot. <laughs> I, I want to follow up on that for a second. I, I haven't been to El Paso. I've been to Big Bend National Park. I've been all over New Mexico. I, I do like that part of the country a lot, but it's out there. I mean, you're really, really isolated. How do you recruit to, you know, this this really isolated, pretty big? You've never seen Glory Road, Pete? I actually haven't. I mean, of I know course, the story. Of course, but... Zach knows oh. every single detail. <laughs> yeah. That, the, the, the great scene is when they're on the bus uh, and they're heading to El Paso for the first time. And he says, uh, he says, um, hey, somebody call my mama. I think I'm the first black man on the moon. <laughs> it's, it's, I'm absolutely Paso, hilarious. El Paso, it's way out there. It's way out there. It's desert. Um, the people of El Paso are absolutely incredible. I mean, they take care of you. They don't have to know who you are. Um, it's a great community to be a part of. So, uh, yes, it's way out there. It's actually closer to New Mexico than it is any other city in Texas. Right. It's even on the, that time zone. It's not even on central time zone. Um, but I fell in love with the area. I was just joking with Zach. I'm getting used to the humidity again because I've lived in dry heat or dry climates for the past few years. But but no, I, I miss it dearly. And I'm really thankful for what, you know, that program was able to, one, teach me, but also lead me into the next position. I, I, you know what? I've never asked this question. And it's it's kind of interesting because we did have Harriman on who just got hired as an assistant. But when you're interviewing, you know, for an assistant position, what, what are they looking for? Uh, and then again, what do you look for an assistant? Yeah. So I'll kind of answer that from what, what I was looking for. Um, for here at SLU, one, someone I knew, that's the first step because it's all about trust. And 
you know, we're leading a group of young women who need a leader, but we're asking them to trust us. So we need to trust each other. So, you know, Steven Zarzitsky, perfect example. We work together at Syracuse. And I mean, his story is just absolutely incredible too, uh, with everything he's been through. And then for Amber, I mean, we got connected through uh, mutual people we knew. And she sent me this great text message that was inviting and I wanted to respond. And that's the first thing you have to do as a recruiting coach. You have to be able to get these 16, 17 plus year old uh, young women on the phone to give you a chance to, to sell exactly what we have here. Um, a lot of times, a lot of that's done over texting. So you have to be able to convey a message over text message or maybe convey an emotion is a better, better way of putting it. Uh, but she did that. And then the best part is you have to have balance. So I always say I'm the loud one. I'm like in your face. I don't need any coffee, but still drink coffee. And then Amber, she's, she, first of all, her nickname's Burr. That's cool. Secondly, she's got a sleeve tattoo and as chill as can be. So while her and me have like matching energy, like she's the calm one. I'm the one, you know, it's a little, you know, out there, but kind of, you know, the dorky one is the way I like to put it. <laughs> We're similar people. Is is if you if you've met me, you've met so- Andrea Beatty. Um, <laughs> energy wise, uh, she's much nicer than I am. <laughs> I will give myself that point. <laughs> uh, you have quite the interesting. I mean, you you have an incredibly interesting coaching path. You've been the interim head coach. Now, two different programs under two different circumstances. Uh, what's it like being thrown into that spot during a coaching search like you were at Syracuse? Yeah. So at Syracuse, it was even, you know, what I'll say is I learned a lot about perspective because usually in the situation that we were in at Syracuse, it's your interim, aka you probably should be starting to look for a job um, just because you see the writing on the wall. And so you want to leave the program better than when you got there. But what had happened is a day after I became interim, Russia actually invaded Ukraine and we had Ukrainians and Russians on our team. And so here, Stephen and I, you know, a bunch of youngins are now realizing that, wow, it, yesterday it really sucked that we have to look for a job. But today, like, that's okay. We have bigger, we have bigger things to handle. There's bigger things going on in the world, bigger things going on with our players. Like, we got to put ourselves aside for a minute and really focus on that. So, you know, I think anyone put in a room role, it's a very difficult spot to be in, whether you're going to stay on or not, just because you, you know, your, your players have a lot of questions and you still want to train them and you want to give them all of your effort and prepare them for best case scenario, but also knowing sometimes you don't end up staying at that, at that place. So it's simple. At Denver is a little different because I was in a room because our head coach had received a cancer diagnosis and he is doing great, by the way, which is also good news. Uh, but yeah, at Syracuse, it was really difficult. Um, but once again, if you're if you're really valuing the relationship with the players, I think there's not a whole lot that you can't get through. You might not be able to understand or have the answers to everything, but having that relationship piece, I think overall is the most important factor when coaching a team. What was it like being tapped as a caretaker for the program? I mean, that's, that's, that's a big deal. It's my dream. I don't know. You know, people say they want to be a mom. Like they've always known they want to be a mom. I want to be a coach and I want to be the person that they come to when they have hard times or when they have good times. That's the, that's the part of the job. You can't just be there for the good times. You got to be there for the hard times. And I just value that part of the job. So uh, for me, I'm like, yes, like I don't want anyone to go through anything hard, but I also do want people to feel safe enough that 
whether it's me, Amber, Stephen, Avery, whoever it be, they feel like they're in a safe enough space that they have someone to go to or turn to when, when things are getting a little dark. So for me, I, I, I love, I love being there for them. <laughs> so uh, to give Zach a pat on the back here, a little bit of credit, uh, he developed a short list when the job came open at SLU and, and not that that list was like an influencer or what the department used or anything like that. But for the purposes of our show, you know, he, he got a little input, did, did some research on his own, used his own knowledge. And your name was, I think, what did we have, Zach? Five or six people on there? I think it was second on the list. It was second on the list, but we only we only had a few others on there. It was, and, uh, yeah, uh, Beatty knows it. He tagged me, so I, I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, I'm, I'm wondering, given that we had nothing to do with it and and, and Zach just, just kind of knew, uh, how, how were you approached for the, for the slew job? How did that come about? You know, I, this is what I'll say about that. Uh, I have I knew the moment that I got into coaching that I wanted to be the head coach of St. Louis University. Like, you know, how people are, they want to go, whatever it be. They want to go to Stanford, Nebraska, all those schools. No, I wanted to get back to St. Louis University. Um, and I, I didn't know how difficult that would be um, just being someone who transferred out of the program. But, you know, when the opportunity came about, um, it was 100% yes from day one for me. Uh, I went through the interview process like everyone does, but I knew that if I had been asked day one, I would have said yes. So the best way I can answer that question is, um, in a lot of ways, it felt, uh, it's going to sound so cheesy. You can ask my players. I'm so cheesy. So heads up. But in <laughs> a lot of ways, it felt like destiny. You know, it's timing. Um, it's my ability to be able to be an interim at Syracuse and Denver gave me that head coaching experience and all the stars aligned. So when I did finally, you know, go through that interview process, I was, you know, all in from day one. So it was a great process. I'm thankful for um, specifically some of the other young women I got to talk to, uh, Coach Shields, uh, Coach Knoyer, Coach Tillett. Uh, what a wonderful staff we have right now on all of our sports. And so with that, there was no other answer but yes. <laughs> uh, you were you were at the top of my short list, by the way, um, for the record. Um, it was Alyssa Dorico, Jody Fowler, Zach Young, and then Ann Cordes was the last one on the list. He ain't coming back. <laughs> no, no. Uh, but you, it's funny. You thought that I knew something, and, and I just threw that out there. That was my own list. Yeah, well, I just appreciate being considered, too. I didn't know if you were still keeping keeping track on what I was doing. So I was a little, a little shocked and also appreciated. <laughs> no, no, of course. Uh, you, she, Beatty uh, messaged me and asked if I had seen, this was after the, after the announcement, uh, she had apparently been at a game, uh, before it was announced. And she thought I had seen her at that game. And that's why I had her at the top of the list. I hadn't been in a game in, oh my goodness, over a decade. So I was like, I was so excited about the opportunity that I had to get to a game. I was home for Christmas, had to get to a game. And I really thought he must've saw me. And since I hadn't been in a game and I was at Denver at the time that he knew I was interested in the job and you know, it's okay. It's okay for everyone to know. I was very interested in the job, would do anything for the job. Very <laughs> excited and thankful that I've gotten this opportunity to lead the program. You had to play it cool though, before the signing, you had to be like, eh, maybe, well, you know, you know, you know now you I'm can naturally, naturally now... I'm really excited. So can't help myself. Um, <laughs> uh, so I've, I've ranted and raved on this show, uh, since we started, 
uh, doing the podcast uh, about the volleyball program and, and my belief in its potential. Um, what is your kind of um, approach or your philosophy going forward with the program? Oh, I love that question, Zach. Um, you know, I wrote a few things down and I know we've talked previously about our plans and, you know, the great news is we won 18 games last year and we returned some really talented pieces and we added some talented pieces. Now we're a little low on numbers, but within those numbers we have, there's some really exciting things going on. And so, you know, when we took on this job, we looked at it very much so as not just about the X's and O's. Very much we want to win and we have very, very high stake goals. However, we also want to create you know, a movement around the volleyball team. We want people to be excited about it again. We also want people to feel loved by the volleyball team. And so our big theme this year is conquer the moment. And the idea being, you know, we want to conquer an A-10 championship. We want to conquer getting to the NCAA tournament. We want to conquer going deep into the NCAA tournament. But we can't just focus on that. We have to focus on the little moments that are going to happen every single day. We have to conquer practice today. Uh, we have to conquer improving our numbers, our hitting numbers, our passing numbers. we got to take it one step at a time and celebrate those milestones. So very much so we have big goals, but we're, we're laying them out as milestones this year. And instead of having just one big goal, you know, going into this week, we're talking about, okay, first win. That's our first milestone, right? Second milestone, go two out of three on the weekend. Third milestone, oh, we win the first two games, let's sweep them. And just keep our focus very present. And so that when we get to that end of the season, we've spent a whole lot of time throughout the season focusing on each and every day. We're not even going to realize how much growth we have because we're so focused on that next moment. I'm wondering um, to even zoom out further from like X's and O's and, and, and day-to-day strategy um, as, as I'm sure, you know, Chris may, as you definitely know, Chris may is a big culture guy. He's constantly using the word culture, big on culture. How do you think your vision for this program or your own style or culture aligns with, with his or that of the overall athletic department right now? Yeah. You know, a big draw to me was the emphasis on our values as a department and they're posted a lot of places in our gym. Um, But what's most important is how we act those out every single day. So uh, for me, creating culture um, is not an easy task, but it's doable. What's really hard is creating championship culture, creating, you know, what soccer has created. That's what we wanted to creating what Rebecca Tillett has created in such a short time where she showed everyone what it takes to trust the process. And maybe it doesn't look pretty at the beginning, but my goodness, I bet no one's thinking about that anymore with that championship trophy. I'm still um, thinking so, about that Loyola game. Uh, Sorry. <laughs> Um, oh, but what I'll tell you is this, um, it all starts as what type of unit we are. We talk about gratitude a whole lot and just being thankful for where we're at right now, but also being thankful that we get to be even further in the future. Uh, we get the opportunity to travel. We get the opportunity to play against these really tough teams. And so we're trying to create a sense of trust on the team first. Um, once you develop that sense of trust on the team, you develop it on the court. It's, it's heavily correlated. If they're feeling trustful with each other outside the court, they're going to feel that way on the court. So we've really given them a voice. So I like to say collaboration is key in creating that culture, especially with young people today. Uh, when we talk with them, it's not just us coaches telling them what to do. We want their opinion. We want them to process through. So if they're working on, let's say, technique, they come up to us and 
We say how to feel. We ask them first to see how they're processing it. And then we're very straightforward with them. We rate every practice. Uh, we rate it on a scale of execution and effort because both are important, but also you have to have both to do the big things we wanna do this year. You can't just have one or the other. So we rate it every practice. Would this be the top 25 team? Would this be the top 75 team? Would this be a top 150 team? So we're reframing their network of what success looks like, but also constantly holding each other accountable on every single day, every single drill of how we can be better. You know, you talked about, uh, you know, making that connection with the players. And uh, I talked, I know I talked with Steven a little bit and you guys did some, some like preseason fun stuff, minute to win it type stuff. How do you, like I talk and I talk about how I could not have a conversation with anyone under the age of like 23. I just, it's a different language. It's a completely different language. Well, that's why you're not coaching college. That's athletics. true. <laughs> true. It's all true. But like, how do you get to the point where you, cause I know it's, it's difficult where you're like, Oh, do they, are they going to think this is fun? Are they going to think it's lame? Like, how do you get past that? And, and how do you just kind of like force the fun, I guess. You know, what's been really nice is we haven't had to force it. And I know what you're talking about. I, I've yeah. had to have to force the fun sometimes on, on certain teams. But our team, and I had a great conversation today with Colin, actually. Um, the best. The the <laughs> the best up-and-coming broadcaster there is. I, I would die on that. Yeah, hill. he's our guy. Yeah, he's incredible. And what I explained to him, what's been really exciting about this opportunity is you come into a program where you have you know, freshmen, sophomores, juniors, and people that are about to be seniors. And sometimes with that opportunity, seniors will check out when they get a new coach because they feel like they're not the, that person's recruits, whatever it be. Um, and the, the younger people try to really jump in the boat and row the same direction. That has, honestly, our seniors have been so bought in. They are so ready to have the senior season they've been dreaming about. Um, so everything we have them do, and we have them do some silly stuff. I mean, I think that's a part of it too. We have to laugh at each other a little bit, like the minute to win it, I will send you some videos hysterical and they had a blast. And once again, we're competing. And that's the biggest thing is we got to create competitive spaces. So we become more competitive people. Um, so, you know, all I'll say is I'll give a lot of credit to the team because everything we've had, like kind of put them through, and we've spent a lot of time developing opportunities for them. They have taken it. They have enjoyed it. Um, they've come up to us and thanked us. Like they have enjoyed spending more time on the court, but also off the court with each other. So I, I don't know how to answer that, but also, you know, a lot of part of my job is talking to people of ages, you know, 16 to 20, 21. So I try to remain hip. I don't know if that's the term, but I try to remain like in the know. Um, She's on the TikTok. I, I am on the TikTok. I see some of the trends, but I'm like three months, you know, like <laughs> behind on it. But three uh, months is like a decade in 2023, too. It's unbelievable. Oh, oh, yes. Yeah. So I'm behind on it. So I give a little bit of like dad, mom, you know, uh, energy. But, you know, they're a really great group of young women who are really excited for this opportunity. So I'm very lucky in so many ways that they've been so open to our staff and wanting to. Uh, take on what the message we're trying to send. I'm always thinking about recruiting in, in, in basketball, especially because, you know, that's, that's kind of our, our, you know, our bread and butter, at least from the start of this show. But uh, I want to know about your recruiting strategy in two ways. Like are, are, first from like what type of player you're looking for, what are the characteristics you're looking for uh, personality mm -hmm. traits, those kind of things, but also 
um, are you looking geographically at like an opportunity to really anchor in St. Louis or Missouri or the Metro, you know, the bi-state or whatever, or are you looking kind of nationwide and using maybe some of the connections you developed in your other jobs? All the above. I mean, I'll explain better, uh, but here's what I'll tell you. The short and narrow, right? Yeah. What we are looking for, for potential recruits and the recruits that we have committed. I'm looking for blue collar mentality. I want someone that wants to work hard. I don't want someone that's all about the shiny things. I like the shiny things too, but I want someone that wants to work hard, come in and grind it out. Um, secondly, I want someone with a chip on their shoulder. I want someone, I always say a touch of proving people wrong, never hurt anyone. Uh, I feel like, you know, back in the day, SLU very much had that mentality of they didn't care who was across the net. Um, so we're trying to create that space again, but it's going to be our own space. I think that's really important that we want to get back to the conference championships, the NCAA tournaments, but we want to do it our own way. It's going to look different, but it's going to have the same mentality. So I'm looking for what I say is simple. I'm looking for this people that when they play, I watch what they do after I watch what they do when their teammate gets a kill. Uh, we need more, more of this. And our players are doing a great job with that challenge because they're enjoying competing again. Uh, but that's what I look for. I look for skills. Don't get me wrong, but I look for this. That, and that, so when it, that fist pump looks very familiar. Oh, I, yeah. <laughs> I have seen it. Uh, there's at least. I, I don't know if you can see this, but. Oh, yes. Yes. Well, it's, number 20, uh, Megan yeah, Boken. So that's what we want. We want we want more Bokens. Um, and uh, and yeah, so that's what we're looking for from like a grit perspective, I would say. Geographically, uh, St. Louis and the Midwest area has some of the best volleyball you will see. We need to be hitting the St. Louis market. So we are definitely heavily committed to um, getting out to games and making sure our we're making appearances locally. We will complement it with people from all over the country. But I do believe, you know, in the next few years, we want to maintain that St. Louis feel and complement it with some really nice pieces that can help us out. So you guys just wrapped up your your lone exhibition match against SIU uh, Carbondale. Why was that the the right kind of test going over to Carbondale as opposed to maybe bringing somebody in? Uh, Why did you choose to do that? Well, first of all, we're going to be on the road for the first five weeks of competition. Um, well, we're, get, we're getting there. We're going to talk about, about that. Yeah. So, you know, first of all, we needed a challenge. We need to get on the road right away and get used to that feel. But secondly, you know, SIU Carbondale, they returned their whole roster, a talented roster. They'll do really well in their conference. Uh, but their experience, whereas you could look at our roster and say we're experienced, but we're running a completely different system, completely new staff, uh, some new key pieces added to that lineup as well. So we wanted the challenge. We wanted to get on the road. We wanted to play and we wanted to play a team that had experience because that's what we're going to see, not just in the non-con, but also in conference. You, you made a, a little bit of a personnel switch, actually, as I as I learned from our good friend Colin Surrey. Uh, looks like you're you've moved Jillian to the right side. Sure did. Uh, so Jillian, as you both probably know, was one of our key performers last season in the past three seasons that she's been here. But she's always been in the middle, and she's a great middle, great middle. The thing is, right now our passing numbers we're not able to get the ball to the middle as often as we'd like, and we want to improve upon that. But when you put her on a pin, you can get her twice as much twice as much sets as when she's in the middle. So why being outside. 
uh, uh, she's playing on the on the right side, but yeah, I call them pin because they should be able to swing on both. Um, so, you know, she we talked with her, we collaborated together. She was excited about the opportunity. I mean, who's not excited about getting set more volleyballs? Uh, but uh, she's done great. I mean, she hit 400 in the SIU match. We were able to get her, uh, I think, 28, 29 sets instead of getting her 13 or 14. And what I'll say is this: her and Addie Lyon. Their connection is incredible. I can't wait for you to see it. Their connection is great. So she's still doing a lot of middle work, one footwork, um, slides, all that. But we're just able to get her the ball more. Uh, you mentioned uh, seeing uh, it, seeing Addie and uh, Jillian and their chemistry. Uh, I'll be able to catch it on ESPN Plus, but uh, it'll be a while, as you kind of alluded to, uh, to see it in person because you do not have a single home non-conference match. Mm-hmm. How did that happen? So there's a few things. One, you know, when there is a transition with coaching staffs, um, scheduling is decided a year before things actually happen, contracting all that. But when there are coaching changes, our home tournament ended up getting hosted elsewhere because there was a change. Um, so really that's out of anyone's hands at SLU. Uh, but also right now we have a real exciting, you know, we're getting a brand new floor and it's not quite ready just yet. It's very close. So it also worked out pretty well for just being able to host. And, um, we couldn't be able, we weren't able to get a home tournament hosted in the amount of time that we were giving. But the good news is we scheduled really smart and we will be having a lot of returns for next season. So we'll definitely host once at least maybe twice in that next season. Yeah, that, that was going to be my follow-up right there. But instead, I'll ask, you mentioned um, Mattingly and Lyon. Who who else would you feel like, or who else do you think, like, out of the returners has kind of exceeded your expectations so far in terms of where they're at already adjusting to a new coach? Yeah, so, you know, once again, just talking about the seniors, they have just done such a great job in embracing the short time we're going to get to have with each other. And, you know, my goal is, even after they graduate, they feel so involved in the process and involved with our group. Because even though our staff didn't recruit them, we are very happy to have them on our team. So we see them as our recruits, even though we didn't initially, you know, speak with them. Uh, you know, Jill, like we already mentioned, and she's just had a consistent career overall. It's not something that's new. I do think we're giving her a bigger opportunity to get utilized more this season. So I'm excited to watch her growth with that leadership uh, role. Um, Emily Hankins is going to be a pretty big key to the success. She's outside hitter. She passed a 2-1 this past weekend at SIU, which is huge. Um, and she's starting to make really good choices. And that's that's the biggest piece. They're all talented. We're D1 volleyball players. I said we. Can you believe that? I, I still well, consider myself one. <laughs> but we can hit a ball hard. We're good at volleyball. When it gets to the D1 level, everything happens so fast. It's all about the choices you make and who's better at making choices. So um, that's been real exciting to watch Emily really zone in on getting better and really incorporating those shots and games. Uh, but Carly Rogers will be a big piece of success. She's been our bro. She was our bro last year. Um, she will be our bro this year. And she just has that gritty defensive mentality. So, you know, I would say those three are going to play pretty big roles. And the one that I'm really excited about is Delaney Rice. Um, she's our six foot four other right side. So right now we're looking at a six two because we want to utilize as many pins as possible. Uh, but her progress has been great. We've been really pushing her hard and challenging her because she can, she can touch 10 too. like she can hit over people. She's our highest touching person on the team. And now we're just trying to 
create a more consistent swing from that. But we're really excited about her as well, too. But we got newbies, too, that are that are really making an impact that are exciting, too. Well, who you got? Don't, okay. don't tease us with I that. Yeah, I know, on. I know. So, I mean, Zach, did I send you the video of Trinity Luckett's kill and her first college uh, kill? You did, and I need to see if I can't drop it. Actually, hold on. Let me see if I can't. Hold on one sec. All right, so here's what Andrea is talking about. Here's Trinity Luckett's kill against SIU Carbondale. Uh, yeah, that was good. It's a little choppy, but she, I mean, look how yeah. high that ball bounces off the court. So that's her first kill as a freshman. Her first set, she got set. That's her first swing. Um, and it's a, a good way to start. A lot can be said about that, right? A lot of freshmen get out there and they kind of warm their way up, tip, and she's out there, big arm. I'm really excited to see the season she has. She gives us the ability to put Jillian on the right side because she makes up for that for not having her in the middle. But we also have Josie Newcomb, who's an outside. She's fiery. She's spunky. She's this. And she went out for her first swing and got a kill as well, too. She hit 250 on the match. And just fearless, both of them, just fearless. They're going to go out swinging. They're not going to be, you know, safe. And that's the kind of that's the kind of playing we need. We can't be safe. We're not going to win with safe. So that's been exciting. And then Addie Lyon, just once again, her and Kate, um, our other setter, are doing a great job running the offense. We got to get better from the service receive line, but my goodness, in their hands, I feel really, I have a lot of faith in them to be able to deliver a really fast offense. So all together, a lot of exciting pieces. I'll say this past weekend, the effort was, was great. The execution wasn't quite there. We had moments and people that had the execution piece, but as a team, we're not there, but it's very much the beginning. That's what I told them. I go, this isn't the end. We're not an end product today. Okay. But I do need us to fight and I need us to never give up. And they did not give up. So it was a good challenge for us. They were a little nervous. I'm excited to get the jerseys back on this weekend uh, and get back out there and play. Yeah. You're going to head to Tuscaloosa. You got Mercer on Friday at 10 a.m. And then Alabama will be on ESPN plus at 7 p.m. Friday as well. And then Saturday against Mississippi Valley. One thing we talked about uh, is that you're trying to give, you know, the team some experience everywhere you go. Um, so, yeah, I, what do you have planned for for Alabama? So we're going to tour Alabama's stadium, their football stadium, on, on Thursday. We get in Thursday. Uh, I feel I very much value, and we used to do this when I was at SLU as well, too, is creating special moments that are more than just on the volleyball court when we travel. I mean, we're in the A-10. We get to go to New York City. We get to go to Washington, D.C., Rhode Island fan favorite from the players. And so being able to experience each place, I think is really important in that experience. And once again, the best teams feel like they've had a full experience, not just good volleyball, not just good school, not just good location. They feel when they graduate, they had a full experience. And with that full experience, there's good, there's bad, a little bit in between. But if they feel good about that whole, I feel like we've done our job as their coaches. Yeah, that's great. You want to make it a memorable experience in, uh, in every way you can. Uh, well, Zach, I'm good. I mean, yeah, I, I don't no. have anything else. Thanks for, thanks for doing this for real. Yeah. Oh. Baby, thank you. Thank you. I'm excited to see you guys at games. All I ask is you better come down and like, at least give me a nuts after the game. I got um, you. Please come on. Do. Well, I don't please know when do. Peter's going to get into a game, but, uh, he's in Cincinnati. Oh, well. I'll make it when I, whenever I can, I'll try and make one. Well, we are at Dayton this year. Can you make it to the Dayton game? Maybe. Yeah. 
I, I, I make it up there for basketball every year. Okay, so I'll bring a slew volleyball shirt so that you have a re a real big reason to come okay. and see the excellence that we have out there. <laughs> Sounds good. Well, and if you have any uh, travel tips for uh, for Coach Beatty, uh, where can they tweet out their travel tips to you? At what's your at? What's your Twitter at? I think she, he's asking you. Oh, you're asking me. Yeah. Sorry, I thought, I thought you were asking me either. Uh, Coach underscore Beatty. That, that's where people can find me. I'm pretty certain on that. But now I'm like, is it Twitter? Is it X? I don't I don't quite know what to call it anymore. That's, that's true. <laughs> that's Beatty with one T, right? Yes. One T, not like Warren. Okay, just one right. T. And, and that joke I can't use with the younger people because they have no idea who Warren Beatty is. But <laughs> You know, I try my, what I appreciate is y'all pronounce my last name right. That's that's the hardest part for most people. So I appreciate that. <laughs> I, what did I say, Beatty? Yeah, it, it does look like Beatty. I've gotten Beatty, but I'm like, mm, baby. You just gotta <laughs> think like Andrea Beatty. That's what you gotta think, and it's easy to remember. <laughs> there we go. And Peter, you can call me Beatty too. I'm fine with that. I'm fine okay. with that. You can call me Beatty. I give, I give you ba- I give you Beatty privileges. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> well, well, I, I got I'm excited. Uh the first uh home match will be on uh the 22nd of September, but mm-hmm. you are playing in KC uh the 15th and 16th. So if anybody up in KC uh yeah. stop in and check them out at, at uh UMKC. Beatty, yeah. uh you know I love you. Congratulations love you. again on on Thank uh you on coming back home and, and being the head coach here at Sandwich University and best of luck. We're, we're behind you. Thank you. I appreciate you guys. And thank you for all you do. I, re- I really do mean that. I really appreciate it. So thank you. And these days we say roll bills. I don't know if that wasn't a thing back when I went here, but roll bills. <laughs> I, I actually, you know what it was not, we just edited, but for me to say like, that was a thing. Like that was like a joke thing. And oh, then yeah. like, it was like, it was like tongue in cheek. And then it all of us like women's soccer just decided to just to go with it. So <laughs> I like it. It's easy yeah, to I, do. So I do. Give me your best roll bills. I want to see your roll bills, Zachary. I, I don't do the hand motion, but roll bills. Okay. What is the I've never, I've it's never like, seen though. It's like I, a horn. Was, well, no, what was the, well, there was a billiken that was like, somebody tried like to do that. a billiken one time. I don't know. I, I don't like know. That. Yeah, we, gotta, we need we need a hand signal. I, I like having a hand signal, but yeah. Do do, do like a uh, you do like the modified too sweet, you know, the but with the billiken. I don't know. Uh, just just a thought. Just a thought. I'm throwing it out there. All right. Something, but All right, baby. Guys. We'll let you go. See you later. <laughs> Talk to you later. Bye. Roll bills. <laughs> yeah. Uh Pete, that interview, uh that was fun. I I clearly enjoyed that. Um, and I hope our listeners did too. Zach, you, you were not kidding about her energy. Uh, <laughs> both of you are obviously younger than me, but certainly another level of energy that I just do not have. Um, even, even after chasing around, you know, my own energetic kids all the time, but that was like sitting center court at a, uh, at a Wimbledon final or something like that. And I'm just sitting there trying to keep up with, uh, with the action, what's going on. Uh, a, a ton of energy there. I could see why you're so excited, uh, you know, to have her on board at SLU now. And uh, hopefully I kept up with everything. Yeah, I, I, I'm very excited. I think she she's an interjection of just pure adrenaline, like the movie Crank with Jason Statham, where he's just jamming epinephrine <laughs> in his whatever it is, or I don't know what he, whatever it is, uh, into his arm and then just goes nuts. Like that's the kind of energy that is being brought 
uh, to St. Louis University Volleyball, and it's something this program has sorely missed in the last 10 years. So uh, very exciting for the program, uh, and and I'm ready. I'm ready for the games on Friday. I so badly wish they were all being streamed. Unfortunately, like we said, it'll be uh, the 7 o'clock game on Friday. will be on ESPN+. Plus. Uh, and you know what's going to go great? with watching a Billiken volleyball game on ESPN plus on Friday night. Yeah, Zach, I think that would be some salsa and for me. I, yes. So the, I was just in town this past weekend for my sister's wedding, but um, I was in a, for, a, for her now husband's bachelor party a few weeks before that, basically just going through town because he had it down at the Ozarks and I stopped at Schnooks on my way back and I did the self checkout thing. So, so I find Something I hadn't seen at Schnooks before, which was their cantina style. I had only seen that at Straub's and um, I, I want to say Wine and Cheese Place or, or what it's, uh, another smaller store. Um, so I find the cantina style medium, uh, I think, is the only heat level they've got on shelves at Schnooks. I'm loading up my um, my bags, you know, in the self-checkout. And as I'm leaving, swing the bag around, jar goes flying out. I didn't have it all the way down in there. <laughs> so I've already paid. I've taken like three steps toward the, I'm like halfway between the self checkouts and the exit big swing of the bag. The uh, jar goes flying, hits the ground. And I was a hundred percent sure that there was just going to be a huge mess of salsa on the ground, blocking the exit of schnooks and that thing, it made a horrible sound and did not break. I don't know. I don't know how it's possible because I just watched it. So certain that there it was going to be a huge mess. So certain that it was going to be my fault, embarrassing, all that, and not to mention out whatever I just spent on this jar. It didn't happen, man. It didn't break. It, it it's just a. It must be just another level of commitment to quality that this company has. Yes, they that, will not um, make you look like a loser. I'm not. I'm not telling you to take your jars and drop them out of your windows or anything like that. Um you know, to experiment. Maybe that's, I don't know. Maybe that's a new YouTube channel or something. I don't know. Maybe I just gave I think there was idea. a video involving a jar on old. You, uh, you No, we're not going to go there. Uh, <laughs> that's a no, but maybe if it was a two men jar. Um, yeah, no, uh, that's insane. So I, I just got to hand it to them quality from, from start to finish, even before their product is even in the package. Um, Thanks to two men in a garden. I'm betting another brand would have uh, left a huge mess at the exit to Schnooks uh, right before I got in my car and drove another five and a half hours to Cincinnati. So two men in a garden.com. Uh, follow them on social media at two men. What is it? Zach? Two men salsa. Yep. Two men salsa. Two men salsa on, on, on Instagram. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Twitter. Two men salsa on Instagram. Twitter, yeah. Yep. That's right. Uh, yeah, go go get the uh, the two men in the garden salsa. It will not break on you if you drop it. Allegedly, I can't I can't guarantee it, but apparently it does not. Based on my sample size of one experiment, uh, yeah, shatterproof glass. Um, an article came out, uh, and I don't know. I didn't read the article, but I was mad about its placement. Um, because <laughs> again, I tell you people, I don't read. Uh, slew hires new band director amid rocky relationship with athletics dude i thought this was done like what are we doing well you said you had an issue with the placement zach so so what does that mean yeah i mean like post dispatch puts that front page is it really is monday that slow 
Like who? Like I, I like we. I think we're fair when it comes to critiquing the athletic department when they get it wrong, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, what do we do? It like what's the point? Like of this article and putting it on the front page, we have two national nationally ranked soccer teams. The St. Louis city just beat Austin six to three last night. So there's a tire fire over on the East side. Like, why is that? Why is slew hires a new band director on the front? Like who, like you can't tell me that they're not doing this purposefully. Like they stack the evidence in there against them. So is it not true that all publicity is good publicity? I don't think so. Okay. Uh, you know, I don't know. Okay. Like it's just so weird. Like you can't, I, I don't get it. Like, but again, th- this whole thing, th- this whole thing with the band and, and salute, they just need to bury the hatchet. I get it. Uh, we're talking about mental health. It's a serious issue, but like at the end of the day, the, the problem is easily solved here. You set a calendar. I've said this before. You set a calendar. Yeah, that's the calendar. That's it. You plan for, you know, uh, conference tournaments and stuff. You put that in there as a, as a, Hey, this could happen. Make sure uh, if you want to put, you know, put it as like an optional thing. Right. Okay, fine. That Then it's done. Nobody can complain. Don't go back on it. And that's it. It's solved. Like, I don't know why it's still a rocky relationship. Let's let's move past this. It was it, it, I, I am almost positive that the issue with the scheduling had to do with with turnover in the athletic department among the marketing department. Like, it, it, that would make too much sense that the, the, the number of people that rolled through just it didn't the schedule didn't get scheduled. Yeah. I mean, that, that very well could be I, in, in my, you know, it's one of those things Zach. because like, how often do we hear our fans complaining that we don't get any publicity from the local paper or local press at all? I, I'm one of those people, you know, less than two hours down the road from uh, a major state university known for its journalism program. Right. So, so naturally we, we are kind of the second, um, second, if we're lucky, quite frankly, a lot of times, um, banana to to mizzou and and even illinois um and and surely way down from all of the the pro sports but i don't know i don't mind seeing it like anything having to do with slew as long as it's not something horrible you know like like certainly there are things that have happened at slew um that i hate to see you know at the top of the post-dispatch website but you know it's fair it's fair they got to report the news obviously i'm not saying cover anything up but This is one of those things like I don't having read the story, um, unlike uh, my my co-host, I suppose. I can't um, read. I'm illiterate. (laughs) It's not it's not like a negative story necessarily, you know, like right out of the gate. They're talking about the new director acknowledging that it has been a tense relationship this year. And he's trying to, to be that sort of bridge that does. Help them move on like like you want them to right? like like everything that I'm hearing from some of the band members that, that weren't happy. And um, you know, some of the people who have tried to move past this and others who seem less interested, they all seem to really like this guy and think that he's the right hire. 
And, and, and to me that, that all sounds pretty promising. So, so I thought it was a positive piece overall. Um, I I'm glad to see it, you know, both that the band members who were frustrated, get their story told, but also that the new guy gets his story and the interim director was in there as well. She was featured as part of this as well. So I, I don't know. I thought it was a pretty well-rounded piece. And overall, I think it's a positive to to be that that well publicized within the community. Yeah, you know, I, I do. I will acknowledge that. I mean, it probably is a, a return to, you know, that reactionary. Um, where Where we see all the warts, right? Yeah. And then you see, you know, so you see like this thing come out and and you immediately go to. Oh, this looks negative. Right. And and again, maybe it's the editor. Maybe it's the person putting together the the maybe negative cells. Right. Maybe the, the negative spin as a headline being that it's a rocky relationship like, OK, it sells papers. It, it gets you to click. Right. So. Yeah, I, I get that. And, and I do appreciate that the article, you know, continues again. But again, it does stink to see kind of a negative spin being that headline. Right. Sure. And, but again, maybe non fans are not, you know, non diehards are going to see that and not think twice. Maybe I just think, uh, you know, see that negative spin and, and, you know, assign a little bit more severity to it than. Sure somebody else who's not as close to the situation would. So Right. I mean, I mean, most people are not going to be aware of the situation for one. And, and number two, those that are probably are not as exhausted by it as you are. You know, it does, it does. I will give you that hundred percent. It does feel like a story that just kind of continues to simmer over. What has it been now? Nine months or so. Yeah. I mean, that's, it, it's, it's been a long time. And, I think it uh, was that Loyola basketball, that women's Loyola women's basketball game. Now that I'm thinking about it. Okay, I think so that maybe, was yeah, the game. So maybe uh, eight months or so, you know, January, whatever that was. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't disagree with you there that it kind of feels like, we, you know, we need to move on one way or another. Um, but I think this kind of represents that, right? Like, I, yeah. I think the new director seems like a good hire and uh, and that he's the, he's the one who's going to help him move on. Yeah, if that bridges the gap, um, I'm, I'm all for it and whatever – Whatever we can do to get the uh, the Billiken Pep Band back whole again uh, it is absolutely should be should be job one that doesn't involve a, a ball bouncing anywhere uh, or or a runner running anywhere. You know what I mean? Uh, right. I think I think the band needs to be uh, priority until it is resolved completely. Um, moving on to uh, kind of. Uh, it's tangentially related to men's basketball. It's not in the notes, but I mentioned it to you that I wanted to talk about it. And that's uh, a certain uh, university to the West uh, is introducing fan-friendly pricing uh, at football games this year. And Pete, I I had a thought that, you know, SLU needs to do this. Like, it, it's, it's all about retention with fans and, and getting returning uh uh ticket buyers and and I really think that's an opportunity if your tickets aren't going to be uh you know super cheap why not you know food 
Um, I don't know what you think about the the fan friendly pressing. We've seen it in in um, Atlanta. Atlanta's famous for it. They were kind of the the pioneers. Uh, right. Pete, have you been to a stadium that that has done this? Not really, no. Um, you know, because I'm I'm trying to think of all the things that I've been to recently, and if, if it's if it's slew men's basketball games, um, you know, professional games here in Cincinnati, the you know MLS, MLB. It's been a few years since I've been to an NFL game here. Um, college basketball games, Dayton, you know, other places I've gone. No, I haven't really seen it lately. Uh, well, I reached out to uh, you know, someone kind of in the know about the situation. I was curious, and and my my I framed it as what are the barriers to SLU doing a fan friendly concession price type deal? And I think that the way the what I kind of under from what I understand is that. Because it's run by a, uh, it's not run by SLU. It's run by um, Spectrum. Uh, yeah, I think they or whoever it is now. Right. Yeah. Um, the way the contract is set up, the margins uh, are high because it doesn't make sense if they're any lower. Uh, so they they just there's no money to be made. And I think I think what would need to happen is just like SLU taking over the concession literally building a new branch of the athletic department um to to get there so i really don't know if it's if it's in the cards here at singlish university at least within the next five years um but i think they they probably break about even right now with soccer um and and it's it's just like a logistical nightmare i think um to to make it happen uh within the university so moving on from a from kind of that caretaker company that that takes care of all these concessions and stuff. So, yeah, uh, I imagine there's a, a pretty ironclad contract. I don't know how long that would run. Yeah. Um, the, the, the arena has been open for what, 15 seasons now. Um, but I would have to imagine that uh, whatever the current contract is, there's gotta be some years left on it. And there's, there's, yeah, there's no way that whoever's running the show is just going to go, Oh yeah. All of our snacks are going to be half price from what they were. Or, you know, I mean, I'm, they've already done a lot with tickets, honestly. Yeah. You know, like there have already been a lot of promotions, five, ten bucks to get people in there to fill the place out. But I think with that comes, we're not going to bring those concession prices yeah. down, right? Uh, maybe people will be more inclined to buy more expensive beers and popcorn and hot dogs um, since it only costs them 40 bucks to get a family through the doors or whatever. Yeah. So um, I, I think all of that, you know, is inconsistent. Would have to be considered, but yeah, un, un, as long as there's a third party national corporation running the place in terms of management, um, I don't necessarily see it happening at Schaefer's. Yeah, I think I, I again, I went to and and I think if you're going to keep the concession stand prices as they are, I really, I really think they need to start kind of getting with the times with concession. The way concessions are moving, you look at the last five seven years it's enterprise center they have added so many local options uh um, yeah uh, lion's choice is in there um i think chuck's hot chickens in there um or something like that bird i don't know they have like tropical liqueur- liqueurs in there um and then you look at city park i was just at city yeah. park last night which is why you're getting this episode on tuesday and not monday um, and the every concession stand is local. Yeah, like even yeah. the pretzels, 
even the pretzels are union loafers pretzels right yeah that which is amazing you know i mean i yeah. i think like after so many years people are just tired of the you know 11 dollar aramark chicken tenders or the uh you know the delaware north uh soft pretzel that's not very soft you know like, like people are just, like there's a, a few companies that did all the concessions for everywhere and they're just not good and no. and they're overpriced and it's like if i'm going to be paying that much and i can have a beast craft pork steak instead like yeah, yeah i'm gonna do that um people have the, everyone i've talked to who has been to a game at city park by the way has raved about the food and it's not going to be a hundred percent of what you get at the actual, you know, restaurant or food truck or whatever it is. It's going to, it's still in a stadium. There are limitations to how good it can be, but if you can get 80% of the way there, uh, I don't know. That's, that's pretty good in my book. And, and FC Cincinnati here does the same thing in their, their MLS stadium. They've got a lot more local flavor, um, certainly than the Bengals or Reds do. Uh, but yeah, I, I agree with you. That's certainly the direction it's heading. I mean, shit, you've got like, Cybergs right there on market. You could bring in their wings. You got Happy's right there. You bring in pulled pork. Like they have rolling smoke. They have the capability, right? Yeah. yeah. Um. You know, you have. I. I mean, you have all the people that are in the foundry. I mean, but that's that's not really local. Those are those are just kind of fake local, from what I hear. Um. <laughs> but yeah, uh, kind of like almost ghost kitcheny which is a great rabbit hole to go down. If you've never gone out in ghost kitchen rabbit hole, go down that just aside, just a quick aside there. Uh, but yeah, I, I think, I think shape it's within the next two years needs to really start thinking about how, how to localize the arena and, and, and improve the experience. And, and I, you know, I've hit on it so many times about the game day experience. It has to yeah. improve at shape. It's if we're not going to be awesome this year, You've got to do something to make the game day experience special. Yeah, I don't disagree. I don't disagree. They've got to do something. It's 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 all a little bit too generic. And yeah. I think the um, only thing is they have the Bradshaw burger. What is it? Isn't it like Terry Bradshaw has like a burger company? Oh, I think that's, I, I, I'm I think that's the one that. like kind of kitschy thing they have in Shafitz, but yeah, and I appreciate that I can go yeah. get, you know, an urban chestnut beer. Yeah. Um, you know, which is cool. Instead of just the same stadium beers you find everywhere, that kind of thing. There's, there's a, there's a few things, but, uh, but yeah, overall, they, I, I would like them to, uh, to, to come up with an experience that's more befitting of our unique mascot, as, as you and I, uh, both agree on. Uh, Oakview Group Three Hundred and Sixty is who runs the building right now. Uh, okay. Yeah. So. Also, can we uh, again, uh, since we're talking about amenities at Shavitz, can we move the Billiken Club out of the eighteen eighteen lounge before games, please? Can we please move them? Oh, <laughs> just move over to the other side. Move the food over to the other side so everybody can get their drink at the bar and hang out in the bar. Come on, let's do it. It's it's been long enough. This is stupid. Um, anyway, that's my little rant too. Uh, Pete, everyone's on campus on men's basketball team. Yeah, it, we and we and we saw this Zach because we we got a nice Instagram post from the official account. It shows uh, uh, Churchich and Magasa alongside Bruce, uh, Steph von Busel, and uh, and President Fred Pastello. They One were of those all is the, not uh, like the other. <laughs> you know, and he's pretty tall, by the way. 
I think it, it kind of illustrates the height of these four guys because because Bruce is every bit of seven one from what I've heard. And uh, it looks like uh, Magasa might be something like six, eight, six, nine, based on where he is relative to Bruce. There was some and question the, there about his size, too. There were there were there was a lot of uncertainty. But but now that he's actually here, it's he, he looks tall at the tall end of what people were saying, you know, anywhere from like six, six to six, nine. He looks certainly more like six, nine to me. Um, and then, uh, and then, yeah, Steph's, Steph's a big dude too. He's probably about six ten. So great to see all the, the international guys there. Uh, but that does confirm that now we do have everybody around and that's, that's great. I think today, Zach was the first day of classes, if I'm not mistaken. Um, uh, it seemed like mo- it wasn't moving weekend this weekend. It seemed like that. It was. And it was of course the, uh, the freshman, uh, game at soccer, which was complete chaos. Yes. Yeah, that's right. You're, you're the videos you posted from there. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and Hey, as long as they were having fun, that's, that's all that matters, right? Absolutely. Uh, I mean, I, I'll, I'll deal with a Vuvuzela in my ear if, if they have a good first, <laughs> first weekend experience, man. Can you imagine, like, think about that. I, I, you know what? I didn't get that experience, that freshman experience, like that first night where yeah. everyone's going nuts. Cause I transferred in uh, and, uh, at the end of first semester of my sophomore year of college yeah, from a, from a community college. And, uh, what is that like, dude? Like, what's that like? Just having that first night where everybody's new, nobody knows a goddamn thing. It's great. It's great. It was the, for me, it was the best in the world, the best feeling in the world, you know, to like finally get out of the house, get to be on your own, like, like do your own thing. And then I'm surrounded by uh dozens of new people on my floor all going through the same exact experience it was great my floor uh we had co- co-ed floors at the time um hey. I, I was in uh in marguerite hall oh um, boy yeah it was a little <laughs> our floor was kind of wild that was actually. my first that was my first dorm too yeah it was um it, it was a it was a cool dorm it was very uh i don't know it seemed a little wait were you the- were you micah no, no okay. that was they had micah's were the top floor of marguerite when i was there i don't know where they were when i was a freshman i don't notre dame hall next to me was the uh honors dorm my those uh, are that, nice. my freshman year i've been in there then, like one time those were nice but then that place got renovated and they all got moved and i want to say micah was in greece when i was there yeah uh but anyway yeah it, i i love that that time and i'm i'm you know I'm sure I was annoying and everything. I don't know if I would have necessarily been on a Vuvuzela at a game, but like, you know, freshman or freshman, man. And, and uh, it's, it's just a, it's a big change of crazy time in your life. Uh, uh, I do remember going to a lot of soccer games early on though. And and the team was really good when I was there too. That was like um, Dipsy, Salawana ah, yes. was our big goal scorer that year. And Brad Davis, um, it was his second of two years. Uh, he was a year older than me. And, uh, and he was there and yeah, we, that was, that was a good team. Um, no, but it's just, it was so cool to just to see those kids, you know, it's like, they don't, they have no clue. They don't know. They don't know. They don't know anything. They don't know, anything. They don't know what they don't know. Either. They're blank canvases. something beautiful they're, about that. They're beyond blank canvases. <laughs> they have no idea. It's, and they're all just like, like everybody's going to be best friends with everybody for, it's just, it's ridiculous it's so like i don't know it, i'm waxing nostalgic for something i never had so <laughs> it's kind of weird um 
Yeah, sounds like uh, we're getting close to a non-conference schedule. Uh, I'm hearing a couple need to be finalized, but we're getting, uh, yeah, we're getting close. We've had, I think, we've had fewer leaks this year than ever before. You know, like there are things that we knew. There are there are things that we knew, and there are things that we know. But like, we're not getting any hints as to who like the buy games are. Um, we're kind of hearing rumors. Maybe we have a decent home game coming in, but don't, you know, I can't get confirmation on it. I mean, there are no leaks at all, man. But, but the one thing that we saw, um, what's the guy's name who's, who's really good on Twitter about scheduling college basketball scheduling, uh, rock, oh, rock, rock, Rocco. Like, uh, yeah. But then there's also the, Oh no, I'm thinking of the guy that announces, uh, which team has been what number team to announce their schedule. Yeah, no, it's not. So anyway, um, some a couple of the, the the Twitter scheduling sources were saying that basically, SLU is one of several teams holding out for a home game on one date, and that the numbers are such that some of them are just going to have to give. Um, but unfortunately, SLU just doesn't have that flexibility. We're already locked in to the Myrtle Beach Invitational, which is three neutral site games. We're already locked in or to a few road games. Everything else has to be a home game. Um, that's just the way the numbers are. So so we need a home game. I wouldn't be surprised to see us grab somebody lower division again, you know, like a Paul Quinn or a Harris Stowe or one of those that we've seen in recent years, um, which I know are the last-minute things, but I wouldn't be surprised if we see another one of those this season, just given the realities of where we are with the schedule. So, Getting close, like you said, a couple need to be finalized, but uh, you know we're kind of in a holding pattern at the moment. Yeah, I think we're always the last anyway to announce. Uh, it feels like that. I mean, they're like Rhode Island announced theirs today. I guess yesterday, as you're listening to this, um, several others in the A10 have released their schedules, and uh, and yeah, not 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 us, unfortunately. I, I hilariously, uh, West Virginia, I think is all is the first this year. Yes, which that's is, right. I think were. every year they are, and it's it's funnier this year, I think, in a way. By the way, uh, I, uh, we heard Huggins went into treatment. Uh, really hoping for him to figure some shit out. Like seriously, yeah, like, yeah, for yeah. sure. Uh, all let's talk about. Uh, we got a retirement announcement on social media, one that I did not expect to see. No, Zach, and, and I was I was expecting you, given your relationship with this guy, to uh, you know to comment on it, to have something to say. But so far, I, I I didn't I didn't want to step on your toes and tweet about it before before you did. But the Billiken in question is Cody Ellis, and and he basically um, announced his retirement from the NBL uh, in Australia, saying that he wanted to kind of go out on his terms. Yeah, and you- he. Yeah, and, and he just he just wrote a really a really nice little kind of paragraph about his family, his teammates, and uh, just just the unforgettable experiences that he's had. Yeah, I think uh, you know if, if you you know I kind of wanted to wait and and give it and talk about it on the show. I think, but mm-hmm. yeah, it's kind of like I mean he's been playing in the lower level of of Australian basketball, and I I, I think there aren't many careers that prove how much a person loves a game like the guy who plays an extended period of time. And he's been playing probably 10 plus years in that Australian lower division, like maybe seven, 
since he 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 went down from the NBL. But I mean, that's that's a grind, and that's tough. So uh, it r- truly shows his his devotion and his his love for the game. Yeah, it it really is. Um, and, and I'm looking at where he is now. Um, so like, NBL like physically. Won- no, in terms of. <laughs> So he's uh oh yeah so so NBL one West I guess used to be the SBL the State Basketball League which is like yeah. the second tier, um from the NBL, and I guess he's with the Senators which play uh in in Warwick or Warwick yes. I don't know how to pronounce that but they're out in Perth in uh in Western Australia which I know it's his home it, it, yeah right which but is on the opposite side of the country as you know there are other big cities basically um perth is perth is way out there but but yeah that's his hometown and he's been there the last few seasons and you're right to play in the in the second division out there and a full what decade after he graduated from SLU, i mean he's he's grinding you know and uh and he said he wanted to to go out on his terms while he was still playing at a competitive level and not just be one of these guys trying to hang on and you know as long as anybody would take him um i i think it, it it's it's very cody uh, from what I know of him. Yeah. Uh, he said, what a journey it has been. This game has taken me all around the world. Thank you for the opportunities. Thank you for the unforgettable experiences, including watching the selection show and a best buy. He actually didn't write that. I just, I ad libbed that one. Um, <laughs> thank you to those that I've met along the way. Those of you, I now consider family. Thank you for putting me where I was meant to be and finding my beautiful wife. Thank you to my brothers who I've gone to battle with every game. Thank you to my family for putting me in the best position to succeed and for all the support. Thank you to my two favorite people in the world, my amazing wife and awesome son for letting me live out my dream as long as I have. The time has come to hang them up. I wanted to be able to go out on my own terms while still playing at a good level. And I think that's something that I've done to my Senator brothers. You guys have made the last few years so much fun and are the reason this hasn't come sooner. This club owns a special place in my heart. It's where my journey started and now where it finishes. Uh, blue heart, green heart, basketball emojis. So again, congratulations to Cody Ellis on, on a career and best of luck uh, going forward. Yeah, for sure. For I wonder, sure. I, w- I wonder if uh, they will make uh, a move over here similar to, to maybe Kevin Lish, uh, just kind of the same timeline in a lot of ways. Is um, is she? I don't know his she wife. Is a, is she, she's from Belleville. Okay, I so believe. She's a, I believe. I know she's a, from the east side. Not just American, but uh, fair, at least fairly local. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Got it. So their son is like teenager now, which is bizarre for me, because uh, I remember when they um, when they had him. Um, yeah, let's talk women's soccer, Pete. Uh, tough, tough opener for the for the Bills. Uh, Thursday the 17th at BYU, they drop a 3-2 decision on this one. They did, and that's, you know, that's number 13 BYU. We we knew this was going to be a tough test. Starting on the road, we talked about the altitude. We talked about how good BYU's been recently. You know, when Coach Shields was on last week, she mentioned that they played in the national final a few seasons ago. So this is a really good test, a good program. And Zach, in the second minute, they make it one nothing. Tenth minute, they make it two nothing. Um, Bella Felino and then Olivia Katoa are the goal scorers on those. Um, and you got to be thinking at this point, like, oh wow, what did we get into? We just couldn't. They just could not overcome the Joseph Smith energy. 
it's not where I thought you're going to go with that. No. Uh, yeah. Second, <laughs> second minute uh, goal by uh, Bella Foligno. Uh, 10 minutes. It's two, nothing. And, and unfortunately is the, uh, the Utah state uh, announcer said the next uh, on Thursday, that's kind of the game. Yeah, it was, um, you know, we did get one back. Um, they, the, BYU had just a soft turnover. Um, Caroline Kelly was in the right spot. Um, and, and she decided to take advantage of the fact that the goalie was out a little bit too, and just let it go from distance. I mean, I don't know how far she was out, but it was, I mean, it was, <laughs> yeah, it wasn't the longest goal ever. I mean, we did have that one at Xavier last year. Right. But, um, but she hit this one, caught the goalie on her heels too far out of her spot. And uh, even though the goalie got a piece of it, it was able to kind of bounce in. So 14th minute, you know, down two to one, you got to figure like, all right, we're, we're not, we're not out of this, but then BYU gets their third one yeah. before the half closes Um, this one from Aaron Bailey to take a three, one lead in the halftime. And, uh, and really it just, it, that first half, I don't think felt like SLU was as competitive as they needed to be. Yeah, I thought they were a little bit overzealous defensively in that first half. I thought especially on that 43rd minute goal. Uh, I don't remember who was the defender there, but uh, I thought uh, she might have attacked a little bit. Um, again, too aggressively. And, and you know, the BYU player went around them and you're just like, okay, that's that's not good. And sure enough. BYU puts it in the back of the net. And I thought BYU is a little bit more clinical in this game with the ball on their at their feet. The much crisper, much you know, um efficient passing. Um, you know, they didn't make a lot of mistakes. They were very solid on the ball. And uh, but when they did, SLU did make them pay. And and that was uh that was that that was uh we don't deal a lot in um in moral victories, but I thought that was, that was good to see from uh, the team, especially going down 2-0. Yeah, for sure. And then, um, you know, SLU makes it interesting late with a goal from Emily Gaby um, in the 85th minute. This one assisted by newcomer Izzy Lubert. 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 Yes. I almost said Lubert again. Uh-huh. But uh, anyway, a really nice shot from the left wing. It just about a couple feet off of her foot. It, it deflected off a BYU defender. And uh, just arced perfectly above the goalie's reach and into the back of the net. So that was nice, but too little, too late. Three twos the final. Zach, just running through the numbers here. Uh, shots on goal, or sorry, overall shots were BYU 26, SLU 17. 26 is a big number. Uh, shots on goal, BYU 14, again, a big number. SLU 9. SLU did have the advantage in corners, 4-2, to two, and fouls 11-7. to seven. Slew had more of those. Um, Caroline Kelly's goal was the 20th of her career, which ties her for 10th all-time in program history. Um, and then Emily Piracelli made 11 saves, the second most in her career. Not necessarily the, the the goalkeeping statistic I like to see, the fact that she's having to make that many saves. But I guess if you're a little overzealous in, in the defensive line, um, that's going to happen especially against a good team like this. And, and Puricelli, I mean, if it wasn't for Roman Berkey's performance last night at the City game, uh, Puricelli may have had the best goalkeeping performance by a St. Louis goalkeeper uh, in this game. She truly uh, kept the Billikens in it. Um, but unfortunately, uh, it was not enough. Um, and and so- BYU got the win. So is your takeaway from this one, did it just look like SLU was outclassed? Like they were just, 
they're just not quite at the level of that program yet or uh no because i thought because again i thought at the end of that byu game the billikens had a chance to tie that's right yeah it was like right there um i you know i think i just wonder if they just didn't show up right off the hop or just weren't ready maybe uh and i you know i don't want to think that about uh, a senior laden team a super 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 senior laden team right uh but it, it seemed like they started kind of uh either a little over aggressive or just not not ready for that kind of ticky tack uh passing and and that sort of crisp ball movement and it just it beat us i thought yeah. i thought byu just played well i don't know if it was an outclassed i just thought byu was better that night because yeah. I, I do think we were in that game um it, despite what the shots will say uh Next up, uh, they played uh, Utah State, and this was on Sunday. Sorry, I thought it was Thursday, Sunday. I had it backwards. I thought it was earlier in the week and then Thursday. Uh, but, yeah, Sunday the 20th, the Billikens beat Utah State 2-0. Uh, this was a completely different uh, dynamic in this one. Completely different, and both goals came off of corner kicks, um, off the foot of Hannah Larson, to be specific. Uh, first one came in the 33rd minute. Sophia Stram put it in a really nice header. Uh, she could not have done that any better, by the way, that, that perfect oh, angle on that, um, off a uh, Hannah Larson corner kick. Um, and then in the 65th minute, this time it was Hannah Sawyer, not quite as clean as the first one. Not that it matters. Um, kind of bounced a little bit, but, uh, but yeah, you know, that, that was, that was too. And, and I think the, the recap of this one in the, in, I guess that would have been Stu's article, um, said corners have really been a focal point of preseason training for this team. Um, so clearly it paid off in this one and Emily Piricelli got her 49th career win Zach, which is a new program record. Uh, pretty incredible to do it this early in the season. She passed Megan Burke who graduated in 2002 and Burke tweeted, nothing makes this Billiken prouder than records being broken. Keep leveling up slew women's soccer. So, uh, so great to see the, the shout out from her on the accomplishment and, uh, and the support for the program. But you're right. I mean, diff- different game in this one. Utah State is not the level of BYU, but uh, but yeah, this was a game SLU needed to win after that first loss. Yeah, it was also her 30th shutout. Uh, Mary Niehaus, uh, that's as like Mary Niehaus was great too. Like she was yeah. really good right at that kind of the, like she's kind of mid, uh, mid timeline of Katie Shields. Um, I'm trying to remember. I think she was right before Piricelli, actually. Yeah, so so I just looked at this. So it said she, I think she played from 2016 to 2019. So yeah, so she would have been, she would have gave way to, to Piricelli. Uh, yeah. yeah. Is that right? Or was there yeah. maybe someone out a year in between? No, I think it was, I think it was straight through. Okay, all right. Um, But yeah, uh, the stats in this one, shots, Utah State 14, Billikens 11. Uh, shots on goal, though. Billikens uh, took that eight to six corners were eight for the Billikens three for Utah state. Uh, the fouls Billikens very physical in this one committing 12 to Utah's seven. Um, uh, unbelievable view though, behind that stadium. It wasn't yeah, you... a pretty game, but, and, and nor was it a pretty field. 
but that view was exquisite. Yeah, it was. I I saw your commentary on the field, and and uh, although I wasn't able to watch either of these games live, unfortunately, um, although I I did have a pretty good excuse with my sister's wedding weekend festivities. Uh, congratulations, Molly. By the way, my favorite sibling. Um, she's the one who who actually listens to our show, Zach. Hey, um, bless yeah, her heart. Yeah, yeah, she's the best. Uh, but but yeah, you know, it, it, like you said, not a pretty game. Incredible backdrop with the mountains and everything. Slew didn't score in the run of play here. And you know, with both goals coming off corners, I'm I'm, I'm kind of wondering after the BYU loss, kind of an ugly game here. Is there any cause for concern this early in the season, or is it just too early? And that you know they come back one and one after a challenging road trip. Um, are they going to be okay? Yeah, I think they'll be okay. I think BYU's like I mean. This was like, I feel like scheduling BYU on the road as your first game is kind of like being a being a pole vaulter and like setting that bar, like just really going yeah. for that world record. Right. Uh, you know, you don't maybe don't have it in you, but you want to see if you can pull it off. Um, That's kind of what I feel like this was like and kind of give you an idea of where you need to be at the end of the year. It's not again. I think all of these coaches have been. Uh, rightfully preaching, you know, especially in, in, you know, one bid leagues, legit one bid leagues in soccer uh, and volleyball now that it's not where you start. It's it's how you do in the league. Um, obviously, men's and women's soccer are kind of moving past that plateau that uh, Katie Shields didn't want me to say was a plateau. Um, and and <laughs> that's a that hard point. word. They're, yeah, they're getting that to that point where they, you know, the, the non-conference does matter. So, um, but yeah, I, I think this is a litmus test and, you know, I thought they did fine. Uh, I would have preferred a win, but I, I, I'm okay with it at the end of the day. Yeah. I mean, if I'm being honest, I was hoping they'd get out of BYU with a tie. Yes. And, you know, I wanted the, I wanted the win at Utah state, obviously, but uh, I thought if they, if they got out of BYU with at least a tie, I would have felt really good about that. Um, just knowing, you know, when you go play a higher ranked team on the road, uh, all the way across the country, that's just, it's tough. That's tough. So, um, you know, regardless a goal short of that, but, but nevertheless, I also tend to think they're going to be fine. You know, next up, they've got Creighton on the 24th, which is a Thursday. Um, they play, uh, Sunday, the 27th against Kansas city. Both of those games are going to be at home. So I think they've got a nice opportunity to, uh, to get back into a groove here on their home pitch. Um, on the men's side of things, the Billikens, uh, it was announced that they were picked to win the A-10 this season by the league's head coaches. Once again, 13 votes for first place, one dissenting opinion. So I got to ask you, did Loyola vote for themselves or was it Dayton feeling a pity party? Yeah, it's spiteful. I, yeah, so it was the same dynamic on the women's side, right? Because UMass yeah. got one vote for... Uh, and, and it was either UMass, uh, Katie. I, I do not think Katie Shields voted for them. Like I don't think Katie Shields voted for somebody else. No, I, I think like you have to be honest, right? Like even if you're like false humility, just you, you just it doesn't serve anyone in that kind of for, format. It's like both both Kalish and Shields know they've got the best team in the conference, right? Small and, and stone th- cold killers. 
Yeah. And, and that's their expectation. And for them to be like, Oh, I'll give it to Loyola. I'll give it to UMass. It's like, no, that's, that's BS. That's not, it's not coming from SLU. It's uh it's shenanigans. It's either, it, you know, who, who knows, maybe it is Dayton on both sides, just kind of being the, uh, the annoying institution that we know that they are. Uh, so, so that's, that's my theory. <laughs> it's that it's them, but also Zach, uh, we we did have two preseason all conference players. Two seems a little low, but it whatever. Is. Christian Buendia and Diego Konings, um, both on the preseason all conference team. So that's that's good to see as well. Was this just one preseason all? Like, did they just do the like all conference first team? I believe so. Yeah, yeah they so, they don't do a, yeah. an all conference second. But I mean, yeah, team. I would I would imagine we would see uh, a few more in there. I'm guessing we'll see Mads in there uh at some point mads is just mads looks so in form right now um yeah you know i i was shocked at the we'll we'll talk about it but seth anderson my goodness um Ah. yeah uh yeah as you said dayton was picked or i don't know if we said it but dayton was picked second in loyola third loyola was the one that received the other first place vote the 14th first place vote uh, the Billikens beat uh, St. Louis Community College eight nothing Wednesday the sixteenth. That's all about. That's about all I got to say about that. Right. Um, but they played UIC on Saturday the nineteenth at Herman. Uh, no box score in this one, but thanks to a combination of uh, a little bit from me, uh, a lot from user Slewballs on Billikens dot com uh, for the recap and highlights. Uh, Slew men soccer only posted two of the goals for some reason. They're they're humble, fake humility. <laughs> I think they put up uh, the first and third one, okay. if, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Pete, talk about the goals in this one. Yeah, so so Seth Anderson had the first three. Zach, uh, as yep. as you just intimated, he's he's on a mission. So yeah, and I agree. By the way, we're he had a see bad first two. fifteen minutes too. I thought he was bad the first fifteen minutes. I'm not lying. I'm not uh, uh, like he had like three or four just terrible touches. I was like, okay, what are we doing in this game? And then sure as shit. Yeah. It's a natural hat trick for Seth Anderson. Made me look like an asshole. So Mads was the one who fed him on that first one. And uh, he put a nice ball hit hit, doinked the inside of the, uh, the near post and, and went past the keeper for that first one. The second timer was a, the second one was a one timer. There was a play broken up kind of uh, top of the box by Galen Flynn. He was kind of taken out. Ball goes to Anderson, who just put it right in. And then the third one, he was just flying down the flank, full speed, beats two defenders, and then chips the goalie. Kind of a fadeaway shot as he's kind of going to the outside, already knows what he's done. Uh, yeah, natural hat trick, as you said, pretty cool. And and he's clearly on a mission this season. Uh, Max Floriani had the fourth goal. Uh, which was a header off a corner kick. So overall, I'm looking at this result, Zach, thinking UIC is a team that that SLU has played a lot lately in the regular season. And if I'm not mistaken, these have all been either ties or one goal games. Um, this is not a program that is a slouch by by any uh, you know stretch of the imagination. So this seems like a really positive result to me. Yes, I know it's a preseason game. Yes, I know there were a lot of substitutions, a lot of different lineups, a lot of different looks. Things got a little sloppy at times, uh, but regardless, I, I like the I like the result, and I I love uh, the confidence from Anderson out there. Yeah, absolutely. The only thing uh, 
more beautiful than the Billikens winning four nothing was the weather. Uh, it was just absolutely perfect weather. Uh, yeah. A little hot in the sun, but once that sun got down below the buildings, uh, unbelievable evening for soccer at Herman Stadium. Yeah, UIC struggled last season. They went five nine and two, three uh, yeah. uh, three four and one in conference. Uh, we'll see how they do uh, this season. Hopefully, they they can. I mean, not that it matters. It's an exhibition game. Nobody cares about their RPI or whatever. Uh, but yeah, I think it's a decent test. Um, you you know you you start off with a real tough test in Notre Dame, your first exhibition. You 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 have a little bit of a laugh against the community college, and then you you play somebody that's you know similar to your conference, right? Um, yeah, and who's been a decent opponent in recent years, even if they're down, you know, this year and last. Yeah, regular season kicks off on Thursday the twenty fourth against Butler. This will be a um, a double header with the women. Uh, the women kick off at five against Creighton, and then I believe the men kick off probably at seven, seven fifteen, seven thirty, something like. that. Would be that. nice to go two and zero oh and make a little statement against the Big East. By the way, yes, it would. Uh, besides the fact that these games will be shown on ESPN Plus, not Flow Sports. Yes, that's right. Um, we're hoping to get, as we mentioned before, we're hoping to get uh, Coach Kalish on the show uh, this next weekend. Uh, just have to make that official. Uh, hopefully that happens. Uh, if not, maybe the next week. Um, yep. As we talked about with Coach Beatty, volleyball exhibition, uh, they played SIU Carbondale on the 19th. We talked a little bit about that, uh, so we won't rehash that, except to say that they dropped it 3-1. to one. Um, Next up is the Crimson Tide Invitational, as I mentioned it, but I will just reiterate, at Alabama on the 25th and 26th. They play Mercer, 10 a.m., 25th. Alabama, 7 p.m. on the 25th. Uh, that's on ESPN Plus. And then Mississippi Valley State, 11 a.m. on the 26th. As I mentioned, only Alabama game will be streamed. Pete, give us a little bit of field hockey info. Yeah, so field hockey um, played an exhibition against Iowa. Ooh, excuse me, Zach. Um, You're excused. You threw it to me at exactly the wrong time. Ex- exhibition at, uh, against Iowa at Sportport on Saturday the 12th. Um, look, we don't have, you know, recaps for any of these, unfortunately, uh, box score is not posted. Can't give you all the information, but we knew, we do know that they played full four quarters. Um, they played in overtime. They played a shootout. The other exhibitions, they played Friday, the 18th at ball state and Monday, the 21st today, um, probably just ended not too long ago against Maryville out at Sportport. Um, then, and next up the regular season kicks off at Bellarmine on Friday, the 25th. And then a quick turnaround as they come back home to play Bryant at noon on Sunday, the 27th at Sportport. As we said, those are both winnable games. Those are teams that won four or five games last year. Um, so it's certainly a good barometer to kind of see where they are, where they're going to be this season. You know, we th- Zach and I think they're going to be a little bit better, but uh, clearly still a program that has a lot of building to do. Day by day, brick by brick. That's right. We talked a little bit about it with Coach Beatty, and I think they can uh, definitely apply it to uh, field hockey. On the baseball side, uh, kind of a surprise announcement. We always, the the baseball, the softball, these kind of announcements always hit us with surprise because we know when basketball is going to announce. We know kind of idea when soccer is going to announce. But these usually catch me by surprise. Uh, the Billikens added six transfers 
Uh, first is Charlie Weber, a pitcher from Wofford, a St. Louis native who went to Chaminade. Weber, big St. Louis name there. Uh, Drew Winters, a left fielder from Campbell, previously attended John A. Logan College of Chiropractic. <laughs> He's from Jacksonville, Illinois. Will Bollinger, a relief pitcher from Kansas, who previously attended Johnson County Community College. Pete, run us down the last three. Yeah, well, before I do, John A. Logan College is uh, it's a JUCO in Illinois. Oh, that's it's, right. It's different from Logan College right. of Chiropractic. Son of a which mother. Is now, yeah, you're right, right. Which I is now never, what? I St. never Louis miss College. a chance to embarrass myself. <laughs> Get your Logan straight. Um, but yeah, Wolverine. Uh, Ian Blazer uh, is a utility player from San Diego. I already uh, love tr- him. That yeah. name is great. And I, I, it's I E R Blazier. Blazier. So I, Blazier. Okay. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. Um, he's originally from Nashville, Illinois, and was a star high school player there. Uh, Tommy Ray, pitcher awesome from name. Yep, another one. Louisiana Lafayette, I think, which is trying to go by just the University of Louisiana now. Um, but he's originally from Quincy, Illinois. And then Ben Gallagher is a catcher from Eastern Illinois. Um, he's originally from St. Paul, Minnesota, where he attended Creighton Durham Hall. For high school. That's, so that's not Creighton Durham Hall. That's Creighton Durham Hall. C R E T I N. You got yeah. all the good names, man. I guess, or the ones that are maybe slightly harder to pronounce. G- Gallagher makes you want to go watch like Sons of Anarchy now. That just the, <laughs> just the Ireland season. None, none, none of the other ones. At first, I thought they misspelled it, left out a G, but I guess not. No. Um, no, I, uh, you know, good to see. Um, you know, Hendo working the portal. Um, uh, and you know, he's done well with transfers, Pete. Also, um, Cam Redding hung up the cleats too. Yeah, he did, didn't he? He was yep. playing for the the what the Milwaukee the milkman. milkman? Yeah. yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. Let me see if I can find that post while you yeah, but uh, Zach, when you're talking about transfers and kind of how this program has done with transfers, I think what you're seeing here is kind of a pattern, right? Because we've had a lot of our best success with guys who have gone elsewhere who have been like, you know, Missouri, Illinois, or St. Louis players who have gone out of town for college all over the place. And then they come back, they transfer closer to home um, either for more playing time uh, to be closer to family, whatever, you know, whatever the reasons are for transferring back home, but they've, they've built a lot of success that way. Um, guys transferring, whether they're transferring up or down, whatever you want to call it, um, and just finding those fits of guys who who want to get back in the Midwest and play here. Um, so hopefully a few, few more of these guys pan out the same way. Yeah, he said, thank you to all my teammates, coaches, friends, and family that I've had along this journey. I'm so lucky to have played as long as I did and will forever be indebted to this game that taught me so much. Thank you, baseball. Thank you, Cam, and uh, you know, thank you for coming on our show and and chatting with us when you did. And uh, uh, best of luck in your in your future. Yeah, for sure. All right, Pete. Well, that it's a it's a long one. To it's it's longer than uh, than we've been doing. We gave you a solid hour and a half. And uh, really, if you've watched it this long, unbelievable. Thank you so much uh, again for sticking with us through through the entire show it means the world to both of us uh again if you can like subscribe rate comment 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 uh thank you to the people that do comment unbelievable um and thank you again to andrea Beatty for joining the show um go keep following this volleyball team they're gonna 
they're going to struggle, but that struggle is going to going to teach them something and they're going to get they're going to get to where they need to be. So we're we're excited. Uh Pete, as always, go Bills. Go Bills. Wait. Roll Bills? Roll Bills. Yeah. <laughs>